Startle us, O God, with your truth and open our hearts and our minds to your wondrous love. Speak your word to us. Silence in us any voice but your own. And be with us now as we turn our attention, our minds, and our hearts to you and Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the sermon for this morning emerged while I was sitting in a waiting room recently. And the inspiration for the idea came from the thought. Waiting rooms are kind of awkward, and there isn't a whole lot to do. There are, I counted, seven things you can do. You can consider picking up one of the old celebrity magazines on the coffee table in front of you. You can decide to count how many flowers are in the arrangement on the receptionist's desk. Perhaps you can perk up every time a nurse steps out, hoping she'll say your name. But that only happens once, so until then, you wait. You can people watch. You wonder what the older lady is smiling at on her phone. You wonder how long she spent on her hair. You try and imagine if the person reading the magazine across the way is, is as interested as their face suggests. You wonder what brings them in. You wonder what they wonder about. This is all much better than ruminating on what the doctor might discover in you. You can go to the bathroom or you can check your email. But otherwise, the room lives up to its name. You wait. 2020 has been like the whole world sitting together in a waiting room. We've waited for updated protocols. We've waited on school boards. We've waited to make travel plans and holiday plans. And now we wait for a vaccine. Come thou long expected vaccine, we sing out this Advent season. But even before COVID, our lives were full of so much waiting. Every season of life involves waiting. For example, in childhood, we wait for the bus, and we wait for our parents to hurry up and finish their conversation so they can listen to us. We wait until we're old enough to see certain movies. We wait until we can get our first cell phone or car. But the waiting doesn't stop in childhood. We wait to find the perfect someone. And then, of course, when we do, we wait for that special someone to change. We wait to have children. And before long, they grow up and leave. And we wait on them to call home or even come home more. It's easy to say that children aren't very good at waiting. But adults aren't very good either. Remember the waiting room. None of us likes being there. There's something in us that is repulsed by the indignity of waiting, the powerlessness of it. As the band The Kinks sing, so tired, tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. Waiting is tiring. Not always, but often. And it can be discouraging, that feeling of not getting what you want frustrated desire, thwarted longing. Waiting feels passive. It 
feels like it's for those who aren't strong enough to get what they want. Waiting is for type B personalities, or for those who are lazy. Stop waiting and start living, so we read on t-shirts and see on placards. I remember a poignant scene in the diary of Anne Frank, when it is night and everything is silent in the attic hiding place. Anne and her fellow Jews would push back a segment of the roof and look out into the dark skies over Amsterdam, searching the skies for Allied planes making their way to Nazi Germany. They so desperately awaited the Allied invasion. They knew their only hope of deliverance was for when the Allies would come and the Nazis would be driven out. Night after night, they got up, they looked up, they waited. And then there was that glorious night when they pushed back the covering over the hole in the roof, they looked up, and they saw the planes flying overhead, and they took hope. Rescue was near. The whole Bible is a book about waiting. Wait on the Lord, praise the psalms. Wait continually for your God, bids Hosea. Wait for the God of your salvation, utters Micah. And when you do, Isaiah gives you the promise in one of my favorite verses. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not those who wait for the Lord shall grow strong. And in today's epistle, in today's epistle that, that Kate read for us, Peter says to wait. Wait for a new heaven and a new earth to come down. For it surely is. We must wait. Therefore, beloved, while you're waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord salvation. Wait on the Lord. So says Peter, so says Advent. We couldn't, as much as we'd like, just skip merrily to the manger and receive the Christ child. We must wait. We must let ourselves wait. Waiting isn't all bad. Perhaps in the waiting room, we learn patience, gentleness, and we learn hope. Hope is the fuel for waiting, the oil in its land. I remember talking to a dear saint who has since died, who's Ben Stahl. I didn't know Lisa was going to be here this morning. But I was talking to Ben Stahl in a hospital room last year and asking him, now that he had crossed over into his 90s, how his spirituality had changed. Had anything changed internally in you? Ben took a second, and then he responded, I guess I'm learning to be more patient with God, and more patient with myself, too. I'm learning to wait, said the 91-year-old saint. Waiting is actually a kind of hope and a kind of faith. The opposite of waiting isn't just impatience. It's despair. And part of waiting is learning that God is creating faith in us. It's like in the waiting room, God is doing a kind of surgery on our desires. 
breaking and remaking our hearts. Divine surgery happens in the waiting room. Waiting expands us. And sometimes I wonder if behind unbelief, even atheism, isn't some abstract reason for God's remoteness or absence or non-existence. I agree with the Czech writer Tomas Halik, who suggests that atheism is essentially a loss of patience with God. So how do we wait? How do we wait well? How do we wait in this season without pulling all our hair out? The best thing I know is to remember that what we are waiting for, the thing that is coming, is worth the wait. It's the theme of our Moth Radio Hour of this year, Worth the Wait. I read about a powerful example of this a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you've heard of In-N-Out Burger. You guys heard of In-N-Out Burger, a hugely popular fast food joint that was started in California. It's something of an institution. People talk about it with this hallowed, almost sacred devotion. People make pilgrimages to get a burger there. In-N-Out Burger opened up two new locations in Colorado recently. And the lines on opening day were 14 hours long. 14 hours people were willing to wait. The line to get your burger was two miles long. I've had in and out burger once. It's decent. It's a little bit better than five guys. But people like Ken Bazzini are beyond me. He's the truck driver from Southern California who drove hundreds of miles to Colorado Springs on Tuesday to camp out. He slept in his car to be the first person to grab a bird on that grand opening Friday morning. People will wait when they know what is coming is worth it. That bun, that patty, that special sauce is worth waiting for. Some things are worth waiting for. Because the waiting is almost up, John the Baptist is among us this morning telling us as much. He's the loud and unruly and unkept person in the waiting room. He's burst into the waiting room with a word from the Lord, ignoring the unspoken rules and norms of this space that you're supposed to keep to yourself in quiet. He speaks to the quiet, restless, foot-tapping impatience in all of us. And he says, God is coming. God is coming for you. It's an announcement of joy. There is one who is stronger and more powerful than me, says John, and he's coming for you. He's coming with his Holy Spirit to put joy in your heart. He's coming with peace. The wait is all going to be worth it. Are you tired of waiting? As he does every year, the prophet steps into the waiting room and he's got a word for you. God is coming. And God is not waiting on you. That is the good news of this Advent season. That God is not waiting on us. God is not waiting on you to get your life together. God's not waiting on you to get past your doubts. 
God's not waiting on you to become more patient or more certain. God's not waiting on you to become a better parent or to figure out finally what it is you're supposed to do with your life. God's not waiting on you. God is coming in the flesh to be with you in the waiting room. Like a calming friend, like a calming best friend who sits there to hold your hand and share with you in the moment. God is coming with grace and goodness and power and presence. In Jesus Christ, God has entered the waiting room. In Jesus Christ, God took the pain and hardship of waiting into God's self. And God has breathed out grace and forgiveness and acceptance. Because of Christ, we wait. We wait with hope. Because in Jesus, the wait for grace and forgiveness and acceptance, those are upon us. The wait is over.